Welcome to the Bow Church podcast. This is the first episode of our series called Jubilee. Today, on Easter Sunday, Tim May talks about the freedom that we have in Jesus and the power of the resurrection. I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please take a seat. That last line where we left the reading, Peter, amazed and confused, Mary and the other woman had seen and believed, but that reading is full of people who are perplexed and confused. I don't know how you feel about the resurrection this morning, but many are perplexed and confused. The historian Tom Holland, uh, he sort of avoids any terms of reference, any titles or particular labels, but he does state clearly in a recent book that his position of being agnostic, or perhaps even atheist, was changed, if not totally reversed, when he wrote a history of Christianity in the West, and he came to the cross. And when studying firsthand in Sinja, in the region of Iraq, and seeing firsthand crucifixions of Yazidi people, understood for the first time the full brutality of Good Friday and the cross and what it meant. A a world-famous historian of Roman culture, for the first time, finally understood what it meant. He said, The darkness of Good Friday is darker because of the light that is to come, just as the light of Easter Sunday is all the more radiant because of the darkness that has preceded it. It is the darkness that makes the light all the brighter. It is the heaviness of the night that makes Jesus' breaking forth light all the more powerful. And it's in the context of last year, many moments of darkness, perplexion and confusion, that we come now to this bright light shining before us today. Creation is God's yes. Without that yes from God, there would be nothing. There would be no life. If God hadn't have said yes, there would be nothing. But we rebelled and turned away from God, and that was our no to God. And if we say no to the one who is life, it's effectively a yes to death. But what Jesus did by becoming human is to enter into that no and to take it to its conclusion. And in the crucifixion, the ultimate no, God seems to die. God is laid and buried, dead. And then in the resurrection, the yes of God with an exclamation mark as we are brought into this new reality of the resurrection. Jesus lived so that we could live. He died so that we would not have to die. And he was resurrected that all could be healed. And what does this extraordinary news that meets us in our amazement, our perplexion, our confusion that arrives to us this morning, what does it particularly have to say to us this year after such a year? I think the message of the resurrection today is all about freedom. It's about freedom. If you go into the depth of the Bible, there's a word that is particularly associated with freedom. It's the word jubilee. Now, jubilee has a long and deep history. And you go into the depths, you find a passage in, in the book of Leviticus that explains Jubilee. Jubilee was a particular year, a year set aside after seven, what's seven times seven? 
49. After seven times seven cycles, there would be one year, a year of jubilee, a year of freedom, when the land was given back to the people, wealth was redistributed, slaves were set free, and that year was to ensure that equity and justice reigned in the land. Debts were cancelled, and everything was celebrated. The mercy of God was brought to bear for a year. The story of the Old Testament is of the people of God not living up to that standard. And so by the time we come to the prophet Isaiah, he's dreaming and praying with eyes of faith. And he writes of a time when Jubilee will be wrought again, will be brought fully, and there'll be a powerful person who brings about this freedom, who brings about this Jubilee. And this is what Isaiah has to say. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and it goes on, the year of Jubilee. What Isaiah sees is a time when that freedom will be brought fully, and of the one who will bring it. 500 or so years later, We read in one of the early biographies of Jesus this story. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to, of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. He began saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. The hour and the moment of Jubilee has arrived. The liberation is being brought by Jesus. In the person of Jesus, there is freedom. But what nobody could quite glimpse was that this wasn't just going to be for the nation of Israel, but in fact for the entire cosmos. Jesus' life manifested that vision of Isaiah. He healed the blind. He included, he brought people that were outside, inside. He brought devastating hope where he went. He tackled injustice, fought hypocrisy. He demonstrated the power of love over hate. And the crowds gathered, amazed at this one that spoke with authority, who performed deeds that only God could do, forgive sins, heal the sick. But the authorities could not deal with this. The the Jewish leaders were appalled that someone else had more authority than them. And the Roman Empire did not do competition well because they knew what to do with such liberators. They had a well-rehearsed plan of such people. When crowds gather around someone else, they go straight for the leader and they crucify them because it's the most humiliating and brutal form of central power control you can imagine. And quickly, when you see your leader strung up and dying like that, the crowds disperse. And so they plotted against him. They crucified Jesus, brutally murdered and buried into darkness. But he rose again. 
So why does the death and the resurrection of Jesus bring particular freedom? Well, in Leviticus, this jubilee, this freedom moment, was all about the moment when debts are uh, paid and slaves are set free. At at Calvary, when Jesus died, he died to set us free. He died to, to, to set the debts, to cancel all the debts. Now, the issue, the deepest issue was sin. Because what's the opposite of freedom? It's oppression, isn't it? And the Bible understands sin and evil to be the thing that ultimately is what oppresses us, that which we can't control of that's bad with the world. It's what's out there. It's it's why we locked our doors when we left our houses. But it's also, we know in our hearts, what isn't perfect with the world. And when Jesus died, it was the breaking of the chains of oppression. It was a breaking of the core reason why there are things that are wrong in the world. And when he rose, it was the moment of freedom, the leaving of the jail cell behind. He did Airbnb with death. He didn't obey lockdown. He rose, and that moment was a moment of freedom. The chain was broken at the cross, and Jesus walks as a free man. Humanity rising with him. The depths of our darkness he overcame with the gloriousness of his holy, radiant power. And he rose from the grave. He is risen. And his disciples, as we'll read in the coming weeks this Easter season, are amazed as Jesus walks amongst them. And then he ascends to the Father, pours out the Holy Spirit to bring the manifest resurrection power of Jesus to ordinary disciples. And so the revolution goes on. And the people move, fueled by the fact that not even death can defeat them because Jesus has risen. And that's why we're here. If that hadn't have happened, you wouldn't be here. Our creeds would not have been written. Our scriptures would not be in my hands. You would be somewhere else, sitting in the sun outside, rather than being blinded inside by this glorious sun this morning. That's why we're here, because Jesus rose and fueled his disciples with death-defeating life. And this is our inheritance today, to know life without end. Love without loss, pleasure without pain, peace without war. That's the end of the story. That's what happens at the end of time when what God did for Jesus' body, he will do for all things. And right now, we are the foretaste of that. The church, the people who have got the early news of what is to come, the resurrection at work amongst you and amongst me. So what does that look like? As we close the story, A while ago, I was reading a book, and I came across the story of Ernest Gordon, a British officer who was captured by the Japanese in World War II. And the Japanese treated prisoners in a particularly brutal way, as you know, building the Burma-Siam Railway thick through the Thai jungle. 80,000 men lost their lives building that railway. The camps were dog-eat-dog, brutal. Gordon recounts stories of people treating each other like animals, fighting over scraps of bread in this brutal environment. And then one day, something extraordinary happened that changed everything. They were returning to the camp from the railway. And one of the Japanese guards said, there's a shovel missing. And said, if if you don't come forward, whoever's missing the shovel, I'll shoot all of these men. 
men paused, took a deep breath, and then one man stepped forward, and the Japanese guard brutally beat him to death. When they got back to the camp, they realized actually there wasn't a missing shovel. The guards had simply miscounted. But the man who stepped forward laid heavily on their minds. They were traumatized, but they were also mesmerized by such sacrifice. One heroic act sent shockwaves throughout the entire camp and reminded many of them of their Christian faith. Reminded them of another man, Jesus, who laid down his life for his friends. Gordon says this in one of his journals. Death was still with us, no doubt about that. But we were slowly being released from its destructive grip. We were seeing the sharp contrast between the forces that made for life and death. Selfishness, hatred, envy, jealousy, greed, self-indulgence and pride were anti-life. But love, heroism, self-sacrifice, sympathy, mercy, integrity, creative faith, on the other hand, were the essence of life, turning mere existence into living in its truest sense. These were the gifts of God to us. True, there was hatred, but there was also love. There was death, but there was also life. God has not left us. He has, he was with us, calling us, to live the divine life of fellowship. The moment of sacrifice changed everything. They were still prisoners, but they could see beyond that identity, and they lived in their hearts as free men. And in turn, that freedom changed the entire prison camp. They didn't just survive, but they learned how to thrive and create community within the camp. They changed their behavior. They were intentional. They created a jungle university. Gordon himself taught economics and ethics and philosophy. Other other prisoners taught history, maths, natural sciences. They, in fact, taught nine languages. They built an art gallery. They even built a church to worship God in and a, um, a place where they could perform music. One heroic act had reminded them of another heroic act. And through it, they experienced liberty, freedom, a jubilee that would transcend their circumstances. And that's my hope for us, for you, that you would know the resurrection power that brings a freedom, not just of another life, but a changed life now. Can you hear the sound of freedom? Can you hear Jesus walking in the garden with his friends, starting the day in tears, but ending in amazement? Freedom for you, freedom from the relationship that doesn't feel right, that feels like it's more like oppression than gift. Freedom from the substance that feels like it owns you rather than you being in control of that. Freedom from the circumstances that bring you crippling anxiety and fear. Freedom from the past that haunts you. Freedom for the future that you don't know what will happen. Freedom for you in your life because the power of the resurrection is amongst us. So the sheer fact of it all, you can lean your life on this. More than any other ideology, it for the church is the thing that forms our lives. That's what faith is, to lean your life fully on the reality of Jesus and to know him. We're going to have a moment now before we share communion of just receiving that in prayer individually. And Judith is going to sing a song called Jubilee that speaks to this very 
situation. Now, you might want to just sit quietly. You, we can't sing, so you might want to hold out your hand as a way of, with your body, responding to this message of resurrection life. Do you know what? You might even want to dance. I might not myself, but you can dance. You can't sing, but you can dance. You can get on your chair. You know, if you can't dance in church on Easter, when can you dance? So do what you like, but receive the good news of the resurrection this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, send your Holy Spirit that we would know freedom because Jesus died and the chain was broken and that we can walk in new life this morning, free from that which haunts us, that which we've done wrong, totally forgiven, stepping into all that you have for us. We receive your life-giving spirit now. Come, Holy Spirit.